Hi, this is Better Than Dead. It's a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And I'm back. So thank you guys for being so awesome at the show without me. I'm mildly disappointed. Um, <laughs> but but I'm glad that I kept my baby alive for 10 weeks. So it's it, it's good to have the band back together. And, it is uh, good to have and, the band back and, together. And congratulations. I have met your baby uh, a few times. She's cool. Uh, so. nice. Yeah. Nice, I mean, nice. she's not on the inside anymore, which is the best thing that can possibly happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's That's great. I'm no doctor, but I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And Megan, we're thrilled to have you back. We missed you. Um, uh, you know, Tristan uh, nearly... Uh, you know, ha- Tristan had to Tristan had to temporarily be the ship's captain, but now <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> but now we realize that we are not in a boat, but doing a podcast. Yes. Oh man! All right. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I also will note that no one called Tristan a dork for weeks. Oh uh, no. That's, Tristan's getting out of control. There is a politesse yeah. that you guys maintained that I'm not entirely happy with. <laughs> Gloves off today. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. as usual. <laughs> back to the back to the high grade fuckery. Um, speaking of fuckery, today we are going to be talking about the lottery, uh, which is Shirley Jackson's 1948 short story about ancient wicker man like rituals and if you like me loved midsummer you will be very much into it (laughs) Uh, i hope you both saw it i know already that tristan didn't because he doesn't see movies nope i I saw the lady in it and little women (laughs) oh right yeah i have been to see one movie in the past three and a half years since my son was born it was death of stalin which it was great that was fun but that was it (laughs) midsummer is on amazon prime so you are not forgiven Uh, all right fine you also have to see parasite i know i know this yes okay sorry (laughs) i read the wikipedia page (laughs) well that's all that we really need to have from our movies okay so uh katie why why do we want to read the lottery? Huh, why do we want to read the lottery? I always repeat the question because sometimes I don't have my notes up. Um so just to start with honesty because honesty is the way is the way to go. Uh and there's there's something I just want to start with a little lesson about lotteries, which is there are a lot of reasons as you'll understand by the time we finish this episode today not to be involved in lotteries. Do not get involved in lotteries. Gambling is a sin. And it doesn't matter if you have a system. Your system doesn't work. No. Yes. Yes. That's right. So we're going to go down to Atlantic City and we're going to make some announcements. (laughs) Yeah. So the second reason not to be involved in lotteries requires you to go on an imaginative journey in your mind. So everybody just close your eyes. Not if you're driving, though. (laughs) The year is 2003. The Human Genome Project has just been completed, depending on what month it is. Chicago has won Best Picture at the Oscars. Congratulations (laughs) to the town of Chicago. (laughs) 
<laughs> Beyonce's Crazy in Love is topping the charts, and I am in the 10th grade reading Shirley Jackson's short story, The Lottery. And I am a fucking dork. So goddamn excited to talk about it. <laughs> and then a person in my class volunteered what I maintain is a revolutionary theory of the text, uh, that in fact the violence in this tale is not not caused by a gruesome practice that ceased to have all meaning, but people hang on to it, just plotting on year after year. Oh no. You see, in her mind, this lottery was like the Powerball. And the townspeople bring the story to its tragic end, not because they are caught in the grips of a fear-based tradition, but because they are jealous of the lady who won the Mega Millions jackpot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) So we talked about that theory most of the class and didn't actually get to discuss the story at all. And that is when I learned the most important lesson of all. People will ruin things in ways you never expect and could Uh never predict. (laughs) This is true. Uh Katie, uh, this explains a lot why we're such good friends. Uh, I appreciate you owning this person 17 years after the fact like that's that's fantastic i i admire that um also i will say uh uh, lotteries are dumb i have you know particularly when i was doing circle laps around the state of new jersey as a reporter uh play play the mega millions every once in a while but uh the only gambling you should be doing my delaware roots here uh is 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 the is the horse track now that (laughs) that oh fuck yeah go to the the racetrack Uh, I actually do. I do have a funny story about the the, like the Powerball, the New Jersey Powerball. One or uh, one time, my dad played the Powerball. No, it was the PA lottery, and he like he picked a bunch of random numbers, won five hundred bucks, went and bought a new washer dryer, and like called it a day. (laughs) That's that's like a very your dad story, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. And that is, that is that is an impressive wedding for something where you have like what one in eight hundred billion chance of winning. <laughs> well, when we well actually this is weird. My husband bought me five scratchets to do in the hospital mm. because when the, my baby was born, because he was like, "You deserve it. Yeah, <laughs> you deserve yeah, yeah. these scratchets." Yeah, and I won thirty two dollars, and all I care about is that I came out ahead. And so, if you know somebody who's going to go have a baby, be like, "You can do some scratchets while you're there." Yeah. Okay. But no, that's, <laughs> that's cool. And they're that's a good idea. And they're going to come out ahead. <laughs> I, I wish I had. Yeah. I wish I had thought of that, <laughs> Christine. Was well, you're there for like a million years, so you need a couple things to do. Yeah, no, that is uh, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, so uh, I also read this this story at high school, uh, and I, I I did not have it ruined for me by a classmate, but um, I remember it uh, just being you know really disturbing, but also thinking that it rocked. Um, and yeah, you know, I re- reading it now, that's that I was right uh, as a, as a seventeen year old. Um, and like, so if I thought that I was into it just because of a kind of like sort of late Hobbesianism, like, you know, oh, we're all murderous yeah. animals, you know, like <laughs> we need power relations to keep us in check or, or like, you know, uh, because like, I like Swift and is most nihilistic that, that wouldn't say great things about myself. Um, but I actually don't think the lottery is about any of that. Um, I, I think it's much more about corrupting power structures. Um, you know, I basically teaching Louis Althusser that, you know, Marxist, uh, 
theorist every year. Uh, I like always have his idea of the ideological state apparatus in mind. Um, you know, the idea that basically ideology is much less often conscious belief. And instead this sort of like force that runs through basically all of our social practices. I was thinking about Althusser a lot. I don't know if that's crazy, but I was, uh, as I was reading this. Um, and I just, I like, I'm really interested in the historical moment around the lottery's composition. Um, you know, some of the reactions to it, which I know Megan, you're going to talk about, uh, they're, they're both laughable and infuriated. Uh, you know, they're like, Oh, how, how dare you with this, this, uh, this, uh, you know, just brutal <laughs> violence. And it's like, okay, 1948, yeah. still a Jim Crow apartheid yeah. state. Uh, you know, the, the McCarthyism is about to get underway. We're going to murder the, Rosenbergs in like a decade. Um, and, you know, brutality has just always been co- at the core of, you know, the United States as a settler, settler colonialist power. Um, and, you know, brutality produced in and enabled by, uh, you know, uninterrogated social structures. Um, so, yeah, this got me a little fired up, I have to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, that's very out of character that you would feel fired up about something. <laughs> is, is Tristan mad? <laughs> you mad, bro? I'm, I'm mad. I'm, I'm mad online. <laughs> <laughs> He's mad online, folks. <laughs> Live, not by the time you hear it, but right It'll now. It'll be, you know, it's in it's in character. It's it's a good moment for it. <laughs> so I wanted to reread this as my return episode, both because I just I like it a lot, and it gives us an opportunity to talk about somebody who refuses to be interpreted in the sense that she says it's just a story I wrote. This is I'll talk about this in biography of the story. Um, I love horror fiction. I've talked about this before. I really like the sort of hell is other people variety, like doesn't have to be supernatural. It can just be like, um, the people around you are horrifying. It's pretty underanalyzed in academic context. Like I looked up Jackson on MLA international and almost everything is about, we have always lived in the castle, which is great, but not the thing we need to talk about. Um, most of the commentaries about how people freaked the fuck out about it in 1948, uh, which is interesting, but I think we can also talk about the thing itself. I'm sort of surprised, Tristan, that you didn't bring up neighbors because I know <laughs> yeah. that that is uh, another <laughs> fucked up construction of American and other kinds of lives mm. and a super fucked up part of this. Yeah. Uh, no, that absolutely. I'm I'm surprised I didn't bring that up too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also like I'm super interested in the ritual and that it's like we want to keep up some of it, but they let other stuff go. Uh, and of course, we have to talk about totalitarianism and the relationship of the story to um, to 1948. So today we are going to be talking about. The reaction in the New Yorker and the piece called Biography of the Story. We're going to talk about the historical problem production of this work. We're going to talk about ritual and we're going to talk about the domestic and the family. So I'm going to do the summary here. Uh, on June 27th of an unspecified year, a village of 300 gathers to hold the annual lottery. Mr. Summers leads the ritual. He, quote, had time and energy to devote to civic activities. He was a round-faced, jovial man, and he ran the coal business, and people were sorry for him because he had no children and his wife was a scold, unquote. Summers and the postmaster bring to the gathering a three-legged stool and a black box. 
The black box, we learn, isn't the original lottery paraphernalia, but it's still older than the town's oldest resident. As the town prepares for the lottery, we learn that there used to be elaborate rituals attached, but they've mostly gone out of fashion. Summers relates the rules of the lottery. Uh, Quote, now I'll read the names, heads of families first, and the men come up and take a paper out of the box. Keep the paper folded in your hand without looking at it until everyone has had a turn. Everything clear? End quote. The list is read going alphabetically. The men draw slips of paper. The townspeople talk amongst themselves about how neighboring communities have abandoned their own lotteries because they've listened to the young folk. Damn kids. Damn kids. (laughs) And then old man Warner says, next thing you know, they'll be wanting to go back to living in caves. Nobody work anymore. Live that way for a while. Used to be a saying about lottery in June, corn be heavy soon. There's always been a lottery. So it's time for the men to open their papers. As they do, uh, quote, people began to look around to see the Hutchinsons. Bill Hutchinson was standing quiet, staring down at the paper in his hand, unquote. His wife declares that the lottery went too fast. It wasn't fair. But there has to be a second round drawing. Summers returns Hutchinson's paper and four others to the box. He lets the others float away on the breeze. Now all of the Hutchinsons have to draw. They open their papers. And I'm going to quote, Bill Hutchinson went over to his wife and forced the slip of paper out of her hand. It had a black spot on it, the black spot Mr. Summers had made the night before with the heavy pencil in the coal company office. Bill Hutchinson held it up and there was a stir in the crowd. It's time to finally finish the task at hand. And then to quote again, although the villagers had forgotten the ritual and lost the original black box, they still remembered to use stones. And then everybody gathers a few stones. They give pebbles to the kids. And I'm just going to quote the last three lines verbatim. Mm-hmm. Tessie Hutchinson was in the center of a cleared space by now, and she held her hands out desperately as the villagers moved in on her. It isn't fair, she said. A stone hit her on the side of the head. Old Man Warner was saying, come on, come on, everyone. Steve Adams was in the front of the crowd of villagers with Mrs. Graves beside him. It isn't fair. It isn't right, Mrs. Hutchinson screamed. And then they were upon her. Yeah. Um, and like, so I, one thing reading, like, so this was a second reading for me, the first one, as I said, a couple decades ago. And uh, the first time I read it, I didn't think I had any idea what happened in it. Um, and I have to say, I was like sort of shocked by the ending. Um, but like this time it's just like the tension and like that something fucked up is like at the core yeah. of this is so apparent on the, yeah. on the surface. Um, and, but, but well, no, I don't want to say that. Cause that sounds like, oh, it's not that it, it actually is. It's like really, really well crafted, but it's like one of those stories where like on a rereading, I'm mad at myself for not like kind of like getting, uh, getting what's being conveyed. Um, and I will say just, you know, as a heads up to people, uh, we're going to be doing, uh, Melville's fantastic Benito Cerrito in a few weeks. <laughs> which again is a punishing story if you're a reader. Um, And I I actually, in a weird way, sort of like felt a little bit like I do now, like having read Benito Cerrito, like, man, I was so fucking stupid the first time I read this. (laughs) I mean, I think a lot of that is like tone, right? Because it's like, you have to, you have to be with something in the story that's about like how it's narrative that, that it builds a particular kind of tension. Yeah, and and, and yes. that like it, you know it it uh, it, it just 
it's got this uh like americana sort of like nostalgic bullshit small town vibe happening in a way that i think the like you know that that ultimately the story really cuts through and shows you like how fucked up and pro- and you know like problematic that is but that i think that it's like very easy to get just lulled into like oh look they're the folk are gathered in the village yeah. square you know like so. <laughs> <laughs> they're very folksy in a in like a legibly stereotypical way yeah and, and who wants to fuck it right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah right right and, and yes and, and a bunch of americans gathering in the village square nothing bad has ever happened no that, exactly right? it's the music man it's just we're gonna play our coronets yeah well it would actually i would actually be fine with it if they all had gathered here to fucking apple pie that would have been a way better <laughs> ending because otherwise it sounds like a fucking thornton wilder play Right. Like, that's oh, where I, we think no, this shit is going to go. I, I, I was yeah. actually just thinking, uh, it's like, uh, oh, Lyle Landley's going to come tell us about the monorail. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which is the same thing. That's just the music man. It is. Yeah, it is. That that bit is exactly the music man. Yeah. Um, okay. So the context for this is that Shirley Jackson was a novelist and short story writer in the 40s and 50s um, and a little bit into the 1960s. And almost all of her work is of the mid-century Gothic domestic genre. I think we can put a lot of Ira Levine's work into that too, who we talked about a couple weeks ago or probably months ago now. Uh, <laughs> she <laughs> she published stories in The New Yorker, but also she like Ladies Home Journal. Um, there's a story called The Demon Lover that she published in a women's magazine that is also like extremely fucked up and about a woman who's made up a boyfriend. Uh, He's in Canada. Canada. Yeah. (laughs) Except that she keeps trying to go meet him places and he disappears. It's fucked up. Uh, And so all of her stuff is in like women's and middle brow publications. And she routinely freaked out the readers of these magazines because her works tend to start in like completely fine ways. And then, go into these horror stories about neighbors, husbands, children, and fathers, which is stuff that should be lovely and like stable for the middle bro- middle mid-century reader. She did not accept that. Um, Jackson lived in nowhere Vermont with her husband and children for most of her adult life. And her husband worked for Bennington college. Uh, most of the biographical stuff on Jackson tends to focus on marriage and family um, I think, you know, we could say that women are described that way more frequently when they're authors, but I think we can't in this case put that down to misogyny because her life really was pretty narrowly domestic. Um, she wasn't part of a literary scene in any way. She wrote at a typewriter by herself. Like she just wasn't, you know, she wasn't part of that moment mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, and, the terror domestic is so important to her work that I think it's yeah. significant too. Yeah. And and that that's also like I, you know, I I know I mentioned that I'm really kind of into the historical context around that. And I'm surprised that like at least on this reading, that like I was immediately thinking like the Cold War and shit like that. Yeah. Uh, but in a way that I think that like what you just said is like that that's another very compelling and kind of like ready explanation for what's happening in this. I mean, I think all of that stuff is very much available, especially because she thinks there's like no c- content besides what that it's just a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also like that's what 
you're saying about her life is helpful context because it's like, yeah, because if she did have a life where she was, um, you know, like writing on her typewriter, not like explaining a lot of stuff, not going out into public and like, you know, uh, doing circle jerks <laughs> with other authors. She, I, I think that what she's able to hit on because of that is this thing where it's like, yeah, if if us if the small group of people I know got to make the rules, like they might do yeah. some shit like this. Like oh, it's yeah. not, you know, like it's and, and as you know, Megan, you mentioned Ira Levine. Uh, as we learned in Rosemary's <laughs> Baby, neighbors are yeah. fucking terrified. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Uh, yeah, I, I can't believe I left <laughs> that on the table. Yeah, and that like so many of this is about worlds that are incredibly like um, circumscribed, right? So even in Rosemary's mm-hmm. Baby. She just almost always hangs out in that apartment. Yeah. yeah. So no, it's not a small town, but the boundaries of her world are very tight. Yeah, exactly. And that's true in Jackson in general, but also and true very much in the lottery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the lottery is one of her earlier works, again, 1948, and it is definitely her most famous. Uh, although her novels are wonderful, she talks quite a bit at length about it in her essay biography of a story um, versions of which she gave as talks. And then it was published posthumously in 1968 uh, in, a, in a group of essays that her husband put together. Um, she relates that she wrote the story very quickly in about three hours and then sent it almost as is to her agent who didn't like it uh, at all, but whose job was not to like it, but to sell it. That's what she said. Uh, the New Yorker bought the story, um, and the story editor calls Jackson to relay a message from Harold Ross, who was the editor at the time, to Jackson. So Harold Ross is worried that the story might, quote, puzzle some readers. And if anyone calls about the story, which they do sometimes, is there anything in particular that they should say? And Jackson says, no, nothing in particular. It was just a story I wrote. Uh, so the New Yorker publishes it. It comes out on June 26th. And famously, the New Yorker receives a billion letters and a ton of canceled subscriptions. <laughs> People are pissed. They are pissed <laughs> that this story has appeared. Uh, fine. That is just incredible to me uh jackson (laughs) in biography jackson says okay this is true she says there are three kinds of letters and one is this category where people like are curious okay i'm just gonna read some because she lists listen to these quotations jackson says kansas will you please tell me the locale in the year of the custom oregon (laughs) where in heaven's name does there exist such barbarity as described in the story uh new york <laughs> would you please explain whether such improbable rituals occur in our middle western states and what their origin and purpose are uh texas <laughs> what i would like to know if you don't mind enlightening me is in what part of the united states this organized apparently legal lynching is lynching is practiced could it be that in new england or in equally enlightened regions Mass sadism is still part and parcel of the ordinary citizen's life. So, like, everybody thinks that else, you know, somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. In our Middle yeah. Western states or 
Uh, the the Middle West. <laughs> Somebody says, West. do these practices still continue in backcountry England? <laughs> How can I enter a guy I don't like? <laughs> in, in the lottery. So uh, th- this is like one category, which is like, where are these things? And mm-hmm. at every, I guess they just take it as reportage, which is, again, like, okay, what? Wh- why? That's fine. And then there's based on a true, true story. Of course. Why not? It looks completely viable. And then the second category is she calls it speculative. And people are trying to figure out a meaning to it or uh, or or figure out what Jackson intends. And so uh, some of these say, was the sole purpose just to give the reader a nasty impact? Is the New Yorker only maintaining further its policy of intellectual leg pulling? Is it a publicity stunt? Oh, this is a favorite. I wish Mrs. Hutchinson had been queen for a day or something nice like that before they stoned the poor frightened creature. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. She yes. really would have enjoyed it. It would have been nice. Uh, is it an allegory? In this story, you show the perversion of democracy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there, <laughs> people are like, what does it mean? Like, what's the allegory here? So that's one category. And then, uh, the third is what Jackson calls good old fashioned name calling, uh, which <laughs> is also like, uh, tell Miss Jackson to stay out of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> who is Shirley Jackson cannot decide whether she is a genius or a female and more subtle version of Orson Welles which I would also consider like the greatest compliment of all time yeah it's like I, well you just said genius you're being yeah. redundant here right, right? exactly <laughs> um, from Michigan there is a comment that says simply it certainly is modern <laughs> yeah well yeah yeah uh, <laughs> it's it's a haircut. is modern Rosemary Woodhouse uh right so there people are just being dickheads which is for like that's a lot of letters of people mm-hmm. just being dickheads um and so she talks also about a letter that she got she gets all these letters personally and there's a letter from a famous person who he writes in a way that like it's clear that she's supposed to know this person's name and reputation but she doesn't really she like only vaguely remembers having read this um so she asks some friends like do you know this name and they do, and it's from a man who has murdered his wife with an axe in California. And Shirley Jackson rec- recalls that when she got his letter, she sent him a polite letter in return. Thank you very much for your kind letter about my story. I admire your work, too. <laughs> <laughs> I hope yes. this email finds out. Well. to me is like, actually a deeply Shirley Jackson thing, which is like incredibly funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, In a way that's like, just not like you do not expect it to be as funny as that. If you're reading in her like flat tone. Yeah. And she starts biography by saying like, I strolled into the sound center, pushing my tiny baby in a stroller and sent a letter off to the new york to, to my editor and then she gets like these piles of letters that basically tell her she's a piece yeah. of shit yeah. yeah 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 um so and in our admiring the work of an axe murderer uh let's talk about let's okay let's see what we want to talk about today i think uh 
we want to know like why the middle brow New Yorker people freak out at these letters. I want to talk about that. I think uh-huh. um, New Yorker uh, readers t- seem to have been like relatively tolerant. We've talked about them reading Capote and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But why are they so freaked out? And why do they come up with this, these three categories of explanation? Yeah, um, yeah no, um, I, I, no, I think that's that like, yeah. And actually like I sort of fouled the, 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 that, bi- that biography of a story that you sent us, Megan, to be as interesting yeah. as, uh, as the story itself, precisely because of this reaction. <laughs> um, what the, the ax murderer like kind of takes the cake. Oh, it's but beautiful. One of the, le- what, <laughs> one of the pissed off letters is from Ursula K. Le Guin's <gasps> uh, anthropologist father. And he's mad because he's like, Mrs. Jackson does not explain how this ritual would have gotten started. It's like, okay, you social scientist voter. <laughs> like it's fucking le- like, that's not the job of literature. <laughs> right. But, 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 but because obviously, I mean, he is not like some, you know, like fucking like dipshit just sitting there like, oh, I, you know, like that, uh, that I, I can't believe they talk bad about America. But even he, even like someone, even who, someone who is like job is to sort of think critically of social structures got really fucking pissed off by this, which is like I'm kind of amazing, you know? Yeah. And I love that she I mean, I find it crazy because she just like lands you in the middle in the middle. Right. Like she doesn't. It's a compact story. You're not supposed to know how it happened. And it's really important that you don't. She's not Margaret Mead. She's not like, and how no. do we come to the rich? Like, what the? No, it makes no sense. No. It, it's just like, you know how, um, well, okay. So like, here's the thing. Sometimes, okay, the people that are just mad, I get those people. I get those people. Because, like, I did, yeah, did I get on Netflix customer support because I didn't like how scary the trailer for you was? Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Dear sir. Yeah. So those people I get, I mean, did I I write a pissed email to the Tiger Mom after she came out with that book? Yeah, I did. Um, But, like, the, the, the thinking it's real and then the being like, you weren't a big enough nerd about it. That's right. the like. That's the that's yeah. the best like self own reaction. No, totally. Well, and yeah, and and the 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 sort of like is this real? It just it speaks to such an unfortunate gullibleness. Oh, like, I know. In, in, in the American subconscious, but the other thing to and I think that the, and this gets to why those letters like I found them hilarious, and they also really made me mad because I think what people were reacting to was just the horrific suggestion that there is brutality and and the, just kind of this potential for sort of like you know unthinking mob violence at the heart of like small town americana and it's like hell fucking no like yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like and, and the, the, the 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 texas letter that you read megan i was kind of like okay like texas lots of fucking like jim crow era lynch mobs in texas like so mm-hmm. i'm kind of trying to figure out if the letter writer is sort of being like oh yeah you yankees are fucked up about this too or if just completely oblivious to the fact that like you're enacting sort of like mass violence like on a somewhat regular basis like kind of in the in the jim crow south and not to single out the south as that that's like the only location in like uh you know mid 20 mid to early 20th century america where that kind of thing happened but it is it's like like how just fucking like narrowly focused your view of like of the of the country has to be to to have that sort of visceral like i can't believe they would suggest this about us reaction i mean it's i would say that 
it's even more dramatically accelerated than that, which is that there's like a letter from California that says such a story might make German, Russian, and Japanese realists feel lily white in comparison with the American, which is mm-hmm. bonkers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah. that this is like, oh, we're, our brutality is 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 in context with nazis like that that would make us that that would be like anti-american mm-hmm. yeah this yeah. this is like exactly the thing is that the letter writers just like are just underlining her point they're Absolutely. just being like yeah like i don't i like there's no understanding of stuff when it's attached to some kind of structural thing like when violence is attached to structural shit people are like that, that they buy into people are like oh okay like I don't I don't notice it now. Like it right. benefits like it benefits me. But like when poor Mrs. Hutchinson it, it gets stoned to death, they send out a protection squad. Right. But like this <laughs> yeah, mass totally. violence that's going on is like no, doesn't register that way. And it doesn't register and the the townspeople in the story doesn't the violence doesn't register with them in the same way it does for the reader for different reasons, which I'm sure we'll talk more about. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. It's not it's I mean, I think I wonder if there's also this this sense that like you've been had that has something to do with the way that it's constructed that makes people really angry in the sense that like it's the thing we talk about when we say oh it's like bucolic or small town that you the story builds to something that's piss that's going to piss you off yeah because you expect this version of like uh Something that would actually – oh, maybe this is some part of it too. I think that where it begins is something that makes the New Yorker reader feel superior. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because um, like they're that, not the kind of like uh, hokey yahoos that have like gatherings in the town square. These are like either people in New York who feel, you know – like they can talk about this shit at their cocktail parties or there are people in Michigan who feel superior for reading it because this is like the thing that they do to feel cultured. And so they feel superior at the beginning of the story to these people. Yeah. Right. And then when it, and then when they have just completely misread the situation, like what, what, what's actually, you know, what the, the event they're witnessing that, that, that sort of cuts through that. I also think too, and I think this is a somewhat separate point, but I don't think it's like an opposition to it, um, is that it, you know, even like, even for your sort of like elitist kind of like, you know, up, upper, uh, upper, well, I guess this you know, sort of upper East side, uh, you know, sort of person, um, that like, it, 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 it what what turns into violence is this kind of like nostalgia this like really fucked up and like and and troubling nostalgia but that is so much a part of like this like like mid 20th century uh narrative about americana right like so it's like it's the it's so like even if like you from your like kind of position of like sort of like uh you know pre- prestige or the like in the you know the major cities are looking at these like yokels with some kind of condescension uh that, that the bucolicness is still like part of this sort of like atavistic fantasy yeah. that is constructed around like what america means and then it just becomes like that becomes like the source of this like just like like inexplicable like brutality well maybe it's a little different than i'm saying in the sense that it's not like they maybe it's not just that they feel superior maybe it's that there's a certain degree of relief that communities like this still exist 
Right. That like, oh, yeah, like I wouldn't live there. But yeah, isn't that nice that you could find this and like, wait, what the fuck is happening? That there is an like, innocence, right? Like that we yeah. that we still preserve in the United States a certain degree of innocence in our in our smaller mm-hmm. communities. And then it's like as as much as it can be the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. But I just right. don't I mean, think it's like the opposite. I mean, it's like very critical, but it's not cynical. And I think that they read it as cynical instead of like as a comment that you should take seriously about uh, totalitarianism. Mm-hmm. It's not Hobbesian. I don't think. I mean, fuck, I could be wrong. That would be fine too. <laughs> well, it's about fear. And so when people are scared, when they expect to be um, like engaging intellectually with something when they're startled, like they get pissed. And even mm-hmm. and regardless of how much you shouldn't be surprised to see this in in America, the fact that people are is to the, is like to the point you're getting at. But it's also like it provokes resentment. Like mm-hmm. that's sort of yeah. like that. Yeah, like to to be yeah. shown a mirror. Yeah. No, it does. And and I agree. Like it, it's not it is not Hobbesian, I think, precisely because what it's not like the social that comes in to put a check on like the violent impulses of like the individual out of the state of nature. It's the social that creates the mm-hmm. condition for that violence, right? It's like we don't get the sense like um that that any of these individual characters would uh do this outside of like it is an event that as a society they do, right? And and so that that's like a that that's like the that's like the the polar opposite of Hobbes in in some ways. Um yeah, they're not sadists in and the logic right. of the story. They're just showing up to a thing right. that's crucial for their I I don't know, their town to to continue. And I think and maybe, you know, Katie, you have a little bit better sense than I do of of sort of the significance of ritual, but I think that it's related to the um the thing that the the old man says when he says something to the degree of like the corn is high, sorry, something mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, and that that's not really the point anymore, right? It's not just like out of pure superstition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the thing is like, so, so it's, the thing is, okay. So the thing about ritual is that at the core, what you're looking for is an effect and the ritual is the cause. And in mm-hmm. this it's like the, the where we know that we've gone wrong is that the effect is muddy. Mm-hmm. Like the effect is unclear. And that's and that but we're still doing some form of ritual. And it's like mm-hmm. the ritual is like not being adhered to very carefully. They're kind of like skipping a couple steps and they're like, oh, we don't have uh we don't have white flour bread. We'll just use whole wheat, you know, mm-hmm. like just whatever. Like we'll just kind of like oh uh, like pudding is fine to swap in for oatmeal. We don't need to like really give a huge shit about the box or like certain details of the ritual. Like they say they switch to paper from uh, mm. from wood. Mm. But what they but what they keep is that like someone has to die by being by by stoning. Right. So like what yeah. the fuck is up with that? Like why is that the why is that the cause of some vague good effect? Right. 
Yeah, that, that, right. Like what's retained from it? Yeah, the, actually, the, the part that you're talking about specifically, um, uh, the uh, uh, Mr. Martin and his oldest son, Baxter, held the black box securely on the stool until Mr. Summers had stirred the papers thoroughly with his hand. Because so much of the ritual had been forgotten or discarded, Mr. Summers had been successful in having slips of paper substituted for the chips of wood that had been used for generations. Uh, chips of wood, Mr. Summers had argued, had been all very well when the village was tiny. But now that the population was more than 300 and likely to keep on growing, it was necessary to use something that would fit more easily into the, uh, the black box so like in some ways it's adapted but like also like yeah it, it's like part but it's not just that like oh they're using like somewhat different like uh, uh technology or whatever now that things are you know th- that the population's expanding um it is also that like yeah they've lost like the only like the only link to what could have at one point been an explanation for why this occurs is that line about like oh the corn is it was always high come lottery time um, but that's it. And that's like, so like insufficient mm-hmm. to explain the violence that, that results from it. Um, yeah. Right. And that's what yeah. I mean is like the ritual survives, but it doesn't seem like I, we have any reason to think that it's like a sort of, uh, that it's a super, it's exclusively a superstition that it's like the, mm-hmm. the crops won't grow without it. I have, I'm trying to like figure out, um, I'm trying to say this carefully because I don't know how to think about the ritual um, mm. to be to be viscerally disgusted by the ritual and to read it as part of uh, to read it as like indicative of uh, fascist shit that's gone on in the U.S. is is um, I think like the way to <laughs> the way to do it. But there's also this thing about it where it's like, OK, so what people are scared of is giving up something like religion. Hmm. Even if it's violent, it's like the thing they use to explain the world. And so that's like, that's why the story is so like fucked up and why by the end you're like a little relieved to get out of it because that (laughs) impulse is not just like gross and evil. It's like, there's something else there. It, well, and it, I, yeah, I mean, I think, right, the, the the original sort of explicatory function. The other thing, though, like, I mean, another function of, of ritual, uh, you know, I mean, particularly in a religious context, but in other social rituals as well, is they are kind of like, in some way, constitutive of the social itself, to the extent they provide some sort of narrative for why the social yeah. exists, right? Like, um, and it, it, which is interesting in this case, because we've, we've sort of lost the narrative, generally, but it's still we have this core ritual that like, it, it's kind of like, the, the village, whatever else the village signifies, seems like it probably it like there's a case to be made that it is produced out of that. This is an event that they all share, that they all do together, you know, which like in some way, oh, we get together, we vote or like, what, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck we get together, we just fucking murder someone, you know, like, well, yeah. the, um, she says the story says literally like the lottery is conducted by Mr. Summers, who had time and energy to devote to civic activities. Yes, and that yes. is like a great description for me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The, 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 the yeah, civic. Right. What at all? <laughs> that's that's another one of those moments that's like, really the, funny. And like, she is under, you know, like she does not get enough credit for how funny she is. 
no i i mean it uh, yeah and i i I have not read uh, i think this might be the only story of hers that i've read uh but i mean i could i could see here exactly what you're talking about i mean there's 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 some hilarious shit that happens (laughs) but but that civic like the time to devote to civic activity that also gets to such a fucking like bourgeois american like i mean you know even like that that like basically like the 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 declaration of independence that moment like posits this idea like the, the sort of like republic of gentlemen right who have you know cultured <laughs> yes. men, men of the enlightenment who have the time to to devote to civic minded th- and it's like and so on a small scale like kind of that of the petty bourgeoisie or the, 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 the like village life we see that right it's like he's the guy who you know he's a, he's done well for himself and he's got the time and money to to make sure that things get done right like randomly murdering someone <laughs> once a year yeah. you know like, no, yeah because he's like he's the big time business bitch of the town yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like the whole that's like the whole th- thing that's I think important about this story is that like the black box is a black box. Yeah. Like modernity yeah, yeah. is a thing that's intruding yeah. on like this mysterious ritual and um it's like they keep like the fact that they keep the other funny thing in this speaking of funny things is that they keep like losing the box and the box looks like shit. Yeah. Like yes, it, yeah, in yeah, this yeah. way yeah. it's like it, it's like in the supermarket, it's in the or like they can't quite forget about it but they keep studiously uh like leaving it places and like letting it look shitty in a way that's like passive aggressive yeah for sure uh-huh and 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 that maps on that maps on to the story it's right that this is a constitutive story that the community tells itself the story is shit like yes. you know the, and so and so the the vessel of the story also looks like looks like shit and then um, turning it like stop not doing it anymore is like we i heard neighboring villages stop doing this goddamn kids what is it with the goddamn kids and they're not preserving the lottery right because it's like they just listen yeah. to the young people and you need a lottery it's been around forever mm-hmm. it's like well yes because it's like violence is the thing that brings americans together like like we need the wound we need the scene of the wound to like to like get all bloody and then we stick our arms together and we kind of just like scab over and we're together and like that's how we Mm -hmm. do it we Mm -hmm. like and we kind of try to forget about it the other 364 days of the year but this is the thing we do and like you might not like going to the doctor and getting a shot in your ass but you have to do it and we have to do this too and it's not Mm -hmm. just violence it has to be like a commonly uh, produced violence, right? Like it can't be right. the version where it's like you randomly choose one guy to shoot the other randomly chosen guy because we all have to be guilty together. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's more like the firing squad where one person has a blank, right? So it's like it might be you who didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And right. it has – we all have to be equally uh, – Li- liable for some for a version of this right like it's it's that we come together it's not it is that the we have to allow it to scab over but it has to be a, a civic enterprise right mm-hmm. right so yeah and so i like i know um like one thing i wanted to to think about is the historical context around this like the beginnings of the cold war like still in the midst of like kind of the, uh, jim crow america um and, and like so one thing like but to to sort of like stay with the ritual for a minute i know i mentioned at the beginning uh like althusser is what i was thinking about um and I, I i think that this might be a slight misapplication of althusser because his claim about the way ideology works like it, it is very much a story about capital um and, and 
in, in a way that I don't think that is necessarily the primary focus of this story. But I mean, again, like what 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 his idea of how ideology operates is that it's it's not it's much less often the case that like you have this sort of coherent kind of political narrative and that drives your action. It's more that like a a an ideology is like embedded in like so many like basically all social practices and social forms. And I think we see that a, a bit um, and, and like, but that like, that gets me thinking of like some of the, of like, basically like, uh, well, like fascism, right. And totalitarianism, uh, you know, I mean, I think that one thing, like when you, when you spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, what, what happened in, in Germany and Italy and, and it, it's that like, you know, the, the fascist state doesn't function without the kind of exacted complicity of a lot of people who otherwise are just going about their daily life. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like the case that every, every German in the third Reich was Adolf Hitler, right? Like that there's no, like you can't, like you can't produce that level of mass scale violence. If you rely on the kind of cartoonish, uh, I mean, and not to minimize Hitler, but you know, just like the, the, the absolute identifiable supervillain. No, it's like it happens across society and it happens because a lot of sort of like small scale localized things at which some sort of like fucked up ideology is embedded within it. I mean, and I think what you're partly getting to, too, is that like it's better or convenient or something for us to measure violence that occurs as a as a genre of event. Right. So it's like we are mm -hmm. actually like fine with thinking about uh, even profoundly tragic wars like the Civil War in the United States because we think of it sort of wrongly, but whatever, as having like a beginning and an end. And when violence mm -hmm. is made ordinary and mm -hmm. uh, just it could – it could it's June 26th. It could be any day. It doesn't really matter. And it's just the violence that is part of everyday life. Almost all violence is ordinary. Mm -hmm. And yeah. very rarely, very rarely is it made into this sort of like what looks like a mass event. And so I think that's part of what produces this rage too, is like, no, this is not this. Uh, I obviously I'm not suggesting that this is a real thing. I'm just suggesting that the tone that it enacts is a, is a ritual of ordinariness. Yeah, no, totally. Um, and well, right. Yeah. No, I, I think we're like, that's really, I think that's really key. Um, and, and I do like, yeah, like, Ooh, June 27th, right. That it's like, you know, it gives us like what looks like this date that's supposed to signify. And it clearly yeah. does signify, but signifies what, right. right? Like, I mean, it's yeah. Um, the thing, the thing is like, yeah, the June 27th thing, the, the guy who's done 80 bajillion lotteries is, and who has the, uh, lottery in June corn be heavy soon thing. Like, when he st so like when he started doing the lottery the it it may have had a lot to do with like uh feeding the town like if they're talking about the corn mm -hmm. like they think they're feeding the town but mm -hmm. but the thing that seems evident based on people's unease like at the growing population of the town they have to change things towns around them aren't doing the lottery anymore um the corn that they're growing, they may not be eating. They may be selling. They're selling coal. They're not eating the coal. You know, like there's mm. all this stuff going on around the edges that we don't know about. So mm -hmm. the incursion of the modern. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and that's also, this is, this is modern ordinary violence 
because of all of the stuff that's going on around it that is opaque to us, but that does market in these ways that like you can you can legit read the story as being part of its moment because of that stuff, e- you know, even better than you could otherwise. Yeah. Well, right. And sort of maybe like what the effect, like the modern looks like it's going to suppress this sort of like yokelish small scale violence. And it is, but then, you know, like if you're a good at like just self-aware reader at 1948, you're like, yeah, right. But it's also killing hundreds of millions of people. Like we just, we just went through an event where it killed like, you know, hundreds of millions of people or ten, yeah, many tens of millions of people. Right. So it's like, okay, maybe, maybe the lottery world is going to collapse, but what's supplanting it? You know, like that, 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 that itself becomes a, an additional sort of like problem or an additional layer of like even more magnified kind of brutality. I wonder, I mean, like this is a rather sweeping generalization, but it's like not, not true that the post-war American psyche is something like, uh, you guys, we won, we ended up financially okay, which nobody fucking else in the whole world, like everybody was just no. financially fucked by the Second World War except for the United States. And so there's a degree to which there's a superiority complex about like, we won the war. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that yeah. we could be the bad guys. Yeah, right. Which like and, we're clearly yeah. the bad guys. Like let me not be the person to to suggest that we're not. But we're we really think of ourselves as the good guys in the late 40s and early 50s. No, totally. And and again, I so I like I I keep sort of thinking like, you know, J- like Jim Crow right around this. I and I want to be clear. Like I mean, so I like that it it seems to matter to me that like one like whether this story actually does create an other that becomes the object of violence because you know like with like you know the apartheid state and stuff like that you know like an initial act was was identifying like the other um i guess maybe there's a way in which like the uh the lottery itself like pr- ends up producing another that is like where the you could see just how like idiotic like the logic of like uh of of creating the the other is but like i but i do think that like to to kind of go to to to, to the, the point you just made Megan um like you know we the US used to get exceedingly pissed off at like what we call like Soviet whataboutism because like the Soviets <laughs> sure, you know, yeah. be, be, because the Soviets would be like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, Stalin was bad. Um, you're running an apartheid state. And we'd be like, well, yeah, yes, but, you know, or like, you know, I, throughout the Cold War, it's like, yeah, you don't like what we're doing in Afghanistan. Um, Vietnam, maybe. And to be clear, like, I mean, the Soviets were absolutely being like cynical motherfuckers with that. Like, sure. there's a whole ton of really bad shit that happened in the Soviet Union. But it's like, that also is an effective, like, rebuttal to American, like, look how fucking great and morally virtuous we are. And we've got our shit to together you know what i mean like so so i I like the idea that like this story like why it pissed people off so much was it did like remind them of just how like like fragile and how much bullshit was around like the narrative of like what america signifies in the sort of new post-world or post-world war ii order yeah i mean and i think that there's a there's a a notion that like we think of the modern as in as being like, oh, it's it's around the edges of this or it's opaque to us. But I think also like, and this is a point that Jackie Goldsby makes in her book about lynching photography, is that uh, lynching is a, is a very modern phenomenon. It's not just like a medieval hangover, but it's something that people do in the face of 
that that racism in that version, even if it's most violent, is modern. It's fundamentally modern, mm-hmm. and that yeah. that this ritual has a modern pro- att- attachment. That it's mm-hmm. not just it. Everybody who reads the New Yorker thinks that this is some kind of hangover, and I'm not sure that Jackson's. Well, we can't believe the, what Jackson says about anything. So I'll throw that out entirely. <laughs> but like that the story is not producing a version of this that's just dated. Right. Well, so here's the thing. Here's the thing that is like a bee in my bonnet. So if we could all evacuate it. Cool. Um, okay. So, so there's a version of the lottery that actually works better with the narrative like this reading which is that somebody comes to town and like they're the lotteried one like it's like the wicker man thing you draw somebody into the town and you lottery them this is like this is a lottery so it's important that it's random but it's also not random because like some uh, some sons will draw for their fa- like mm-hmm. will draw on behalf of somebody or like whatever. It's unclear how that works when it gets to the second drawing, but like there's something not random about it. Mm-hmm. And there and it's also like it has to be somebody who's one of them, and it's also not being made public. Like it's mm-hmm. a word of mouth thing whether the surrounding towns are doing the lottery anymore or not. It's not this. It's not like a um. It's not being done to, uh, to, to identify an outsider or make an outsider out of somebody. It's like to to say that like we are blood brothers, like no. in this weird fucked up way. Yeah, yeah. That it's always someone who's part of like, well, and and there's like okay, so there's a list of names, right? So. Everybody has to be on this list. It has to be like the the names that we know to be part of this community, right? There's no it's never gonna be like uncertain whether you live there or not. And then right. the man, the head of the household dry draws for his whole family who are all identified, right? So it's not just that there's a family name, it's that every member of a given family is numerized or something. And they'll do, and like the the town is relieved when it, there's like a little baby who ha- they have to draw, and the, the baby the kid can't draw, and somebody has to draw for the kid, and everyone's relieved when it's not that person, right? So it's like mm-hmm. it's it's like it's random. It could be anyone, but people still have an opinion about it, and it's not like indifferent to who to who is the like they know it's wrong, yeah, but they also know it has to be there, right? They don't. It's it's yeah. not common that it doesn't seem like anybody actually wants to abolish it, even though they say like other places have yeah. abolished it. Yeah, well, and and I must like the, the idea of like the the sort of like target like always coming from within, like being produced from within. You know, I, like the witch trials is something that that's kind of bringing to mind, right? Like that that uh, you know, and, and again, like there's you know there's kind of there's misogyny that like obviously like very heavy misogyny is part of that, but like you know that 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 maybe it within American history that 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 is actually a fairly close corollary of like and 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 well yeah I it, mean like I don't know I'll shut up because actually because Katie you know a hell of a lot more about that than I do anyway. I think that's like an. Uh, Okay, so I think that that's – so the the witch trials are so complicated because it's like, yes, why is it that, 
that certain people were why people were selected Mm -hmm. and they'd Mm -hmm. done maps and stuff and it's like yeah it's because people wanted like the the land that was like exactly convenient you know like so so it's like it's and people would say and and there were there was um people would accuse like they would accuse Mm -hmm. and so this is like fundamentally like the woman who gets stoned as she's as she knows she's gonna die she keeps saying it's not fair And nobody says anything to her because they know that it's not fair and it is fair. Right. Right. Yeah. Like we all took yeah. the same it's chance, random. they said. Yeah. And so it's yeah. not so – like, yeah, it's not – she's not special, right? So that's like – that poses a problem for us, which is that it's like other and not. It's mm-hmm. only conveniently other because it really could be anybody. Yeah. But then, like, how do you – but I think there's something to the witch trial thing in that, like, when the person is selected, she becomes – and you know she's going to be the one because she's the one who forgot about the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, like, these people who, like – this is, like, a – this may be too far a reach, but it's, like, in the – sometimes – one reading of the witch trials is to say, like, the people who forgot how you're supposed to act uh, in the – in the – social structure of like the church uh in early new england people who forgot that people who wouldn't um keep that top of mind they were the ones who were targeted uh and in this one it's like in this story it's like yeah the person who like forgotten she's joking around she's not like she's not treating it with any kind of gravity right she's like fucking around it's like yeah she has to die because Mm -hmm. of that yeah structurally right like that that's that's how the story works yeah. Right, like they don't yeah. pick her out in the. They, it it does feel fair to me that it's like nothing happened here that's like particular. Right, she's not picked out, which would seem different. That there's a lot of versions of this would be totally different stories that I feel like would be more that would make us feel less enraged. Uh, mm. And one that I that would be one where she was like actually picked out and people were mad at her in particular. That would like. Uh, be more when I say satisfying I don't really mean satisfying to me I mean the appearance of satisfaction Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. people are very polite to her up to the moment they start stoning her right yes and the other version that I think would be would nobody would have written a letter if somebody had like courageously come to her defense right no 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 exactly um but yeah, it's like it's something about like the speed of like the turn, but also just like yeah, the unex like well, but it is explained. I mean, yeah, and it is like fair in a sense, like you know. But yeah, that 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 combination uh, really people can't people can't live with. Um, so like another, I sort of said this, but I we talked we talked a little bit when we did Levine about how it's a domestic drama right that it's like that that is part of the a particular kind of horror story and gothic and so like i think this is very domestic or family it's about a certain kind of family even though it's about a community i think that it's it's nonetheless about something that feels like family to me or um okay so what is is it gothic katie help us out here (laughs) Uh yes, it's gothic. Um, <laughs> Why? It is gothic because it feels got right. Like my instincts are that it's gothic. It's got yeah no it's it it is gothic. I mean it's a different sort of gothic, right? Like like it's not we're not doing Anne Radcliffe, 
no. And and the real haunted house is your neighbors. You know, yeah. like yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's. But it is like there's something like there's this there's a mysterious ritual we don't understand. I found a piece of paper that told me all about it. Like that's also version. Yeah. And, yes. Well, and and that and that it exists on the precipice of the modern and the pre-modern, or maybe the modern and the anti-modern. You know, um, I think that is very gothic. Yeah, but yeah, right. It's like it's we it is it, yeah. It, it, it's we don't have like the the creepy like papist villain in his castle. What we have is like a bunch of creepy American like small town people. You know, like yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it is. Yeah, it's it's. I like. I hadn't actually thought of this as gothic until you said that. But I like. I like sort of what it opens up when you do. I mean, I think it's in conversation too with like, and if this is gothic, I'm not sure, but like, uh, all of her sh- stories, and I think that the the two major haunted house ones are are illustrative of this. That the villains are like. They're ghosts, sure, but they're mostly like fathers and neighbors and uh, husbands. Mm-hmm. And that that's part of what's going on here, too, is not actually like a particular kind of uh, – it's not really so much about misogyny as it is about uh, the family structure holding together yeah. a violent – Holding together violence, yeah. right? And, and that, yeah. And, and I like the the other thing too, right? That like to kind of go back to Levine that uh, the the claustrophobia of the domestic, like you sort of get you get that here, and you get that sort of like on a slightly larger scale of like the small town, and and but and also which I will say that like you know, and, and not to make any sort of like absolute disclaim about like what the city signifies versus what the small town signifies, and obviously like there are wonderful <laughs> like you know like life experiences a small town and, and, and you know cities can be alienated all that but i think that you know i come from a small town i think anyone who comes from a small town the idea that like everyone knows each other which like wow that's great so you know all your neighbors can very quickly become like oh shit everyone fucking knows each other yeah and that and just that that is like an oppressive thing um that there there's just like it's so hard to even imagine like from within the community and outside of this, you know, um, and like, and, and the one function that the lottery itself has might be to like erect a fairly strong boundary over like, this is what we do. And like, because you do this, you're one of us. And there's like, there's no outside of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or like there shouldn't be Yeah, like the one guy. Yeah. The one guy's like, there shouldn't be and like, we shouldn't give a shit with these other newfangled, youths are doing yeah right but again i do feel like it's a version of family terror mm-hmm. yeah well right yeah. and that which which we see like just how quickly her husband and children like turn on her right like right. That, that yeah um yeah and that the whole village is like composed of ordered families all of whose relations to each other are named. And so even people who we think of as being like, there's old man Warner, who's like not a part of a family or these, you know, uh, a woman who I think is a widow. And so the question is like, don't you have a grown son who will, and we have all these rules. So like daughters draw with their husband's families. Mm -hmm. So everyone is slotted into a space that is either a family or something legible. Yes. Yes. Right. So it's su- super fucking important that like there's two rounds of this shit. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Like there's not just like a dot on your paper or not. Like you then have to go and say like, well, it should be my loser cousin. You know, like yeah. you have to, this woman to survive wants to pull in her other family members. And they're right. like, no, we, you know, we don't do that. Right. Those aren't the rules. And those aren't, those aren't the family. That's important, right? Mm-hmm. That it's like, mm-hmm. it's a big it's a big community that's composed of families, but that every single one has rules. Like it has mm-hmm. a set of members that we know that are the only people who belong. Yeah. 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 yeah that's right. Um, and, and also the other thing with family too, like that I was the, the kids, like that, the, you know, the, the kid, the, the, you know, the little babies like have pebbles and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. Uh, that was reminded me of two things. One, 1984. And it's how like the kids are just so terrified of that. Oh Again, yeah. You know, 1984, like uh, imagining a, well, I, w- I was about to say an imagining society on a larger scale. And it is to the extent it's thinking about the totalitarian state, but it's like, it is very kind of insular and kind of micro, like the aspect of that society we see. But anyway, but the other, thing uh this actually uh, was reminded me of a discussion katie and i had last week about kind of pedagogy and huck finn like one thing that it's sort of like thinking about is like how like you know like a certain kind of like violent state structure you know in the case of huck finn like slavery teaches children like basically like mm-hmm. one of the first ways we see in which like that kind of violence gets reproduced and is how it fucks the kids up um you know because like the, the, there's like the, the, the sort of like younger people like i imagine like teens 20s 30s they're kind of like oh i don't know about this lottery anymore but the the young kids are super fucking into it like yeah. even more so than the adults you know and that you're not the kids don't really have to be taught how to do this they learn by doing just doing it what they learn by is doing modeling and so it's not actually that you have to be taught or you're inducted into ideology by doing it Mm -hmm. yes Yes, exactly yeah and so that's why the baby gets pebbles because like it'll see other people doing it and just know it'll know how the ritual works yeah 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 and there'll, there'll never be a chance to say like Oh, when you're when I, I never I never did this shit. Like mm-hmm. this is the thing we all used to do, and I never did it. Right. Yeah, it was always right. something that you don't even have a memory of having learned because you learn it when you're so little. Mm-hmm. That there's yeah. never a time when we didn't do it, and there's never a time when I didn't personally participate. So, like, how fucked up can I say it is without saying that I'm fucked up? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was. Yeah. I was. I was throwing pebbles when I was a little baby at people's heads. You know, like, <laughs> like, yeah, because be, as part of like this social ritual. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that it's just it's crucial to me, at least, that like children just do it. Mm-hmm. But that's so Nike. like her. This is such a thing that I just love about Shirley Jackson, which is like, nobody's fucking innocent here. Nobody's going to come to your rescue. No. Because that's no. not how the family fucking works. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the sin is original. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, again, I find that just gorgeous about about her her work. And it's so – that's why the haunted house feels like just one step over from this because this is just like a haunted village – that mm-hmm. is just it's a it's just that it happens to be haunted by something that's so uh i don't know fake or something right that it's like oh, there's a ghost here but we don't know who it is and we don't know why and we don't, like it's just a shadow mhm yep it's haunted by fake friends who are all jealous <laughs> 
that she won the lottery. It is all, it is all like, yeah, that they, that she won the Powerball and then went out and bought a washer and dryer. <laughs> that she didn't get to be queen for a day until she was, before she was stoned to death. Yeah. Wild. I just um, love how people, I genuinely love how people engage with it and how, uh, their their versions of political meaning or name calling are so um des- they're desperate. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. No, definitely. I mean, the Queen for a Day thing is just the best like that it's so fucking fantastic because oh, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, definitely still knock her in the head with stones. <laughs> kill her, kill her <laughs> yeah, real yeah, dead yeah. and then poke but, her with but your at gun. Least she gets <laughs> to wear a at least she gets to wear a, a, a crown for yeah, a day. I also yeah. like yeah. give her a tiara. The super paranoid one where the guy writes in and he's like, um, "Surely you and Harold Ross and the story editor must all be agents of Stalin." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, oh man, uh, you went there fast. You must people think a lot of people are agents of Stalin yeah, if yeah, you wait, think the you New know. Yorker editor. Yeah. You, you know. You know who's behind this. Russia. <laughs> oh God. Oh Jesus Christ. Everything is uh, they Russia. They the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. They in yeah. Russia they have the lottery. They they they, lo- they draw the names out of a giant fur hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, where this is where we are again. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So Katie, uh, are we doing questions? We're we doing a quiz. I'm so. I just have to. I'm sorry, but I'm so pu- fucking pumped to come back to this. I just, I missed, I missed quiz, I missed quizzes in my life. <laughs> well, you're about to get a quiz right now. So if you could, please, both of you, uh, open the app that I have installed on your phone. It's called Shadow. Uh, you can find it by searching. Okay, searching cool. about Shadow. About to, yeah, that, about to crash the a- Iowa caucus. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we're going to conduct this very fairly. And what I would like to try to get to the heart of is what what fictional murderous ritual is right for you, each one of cool. you, just personally, you know, like what fits you best. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, if you don't, quite frankly, if you don't like how things turn out, um, you can pick another one. So if you want, if you, if you want to do the Wicker Man, you do the Wicker Man. But but we're gonna do a quiz and we'll see, you know, what you should do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm gonna pull I'm pulling up the shadow app on my phone. <laughs> Once again, this is very normal. Um okay. So we're gonna make a decision about what fictional ritual is right for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So question number one. What is a hot look to you? <laughs> A, covered in runes. <laughs> B, dressed up in wicker. Uh. C, overalls, no shirt. <laughs> or D, covered in tattoos you can't remember in a duffel bag in Times Square, fully nude. <laughs> the hottest look to you. D, okay. duffel bag in Times Square. Oh man. Uh yeah, I uh I think overall snow shirt is befittingly country. 
Yeah, I I'll, I'll go. I'll I'll be I'll I'll be I'll be country. I'll be country boy on that. Uh, and also, I have to say, we have uh, the 1994 episode established the coveralls can occasionally be be say. Although those were coveralls, not overalls. These are overalls. <laughs> but yeah, all right, fine. I'll yeah. Well, I think we'll Katie means bib overalls. Yes. Yes. Bib, I mean, bi- bib I mean, overalls. bib. Overalls. Like, there's that the uh, that uh, that Scissor Sisters song in the video. They're wearing overalls. That's you know, true. I mean, yeah. So all right. Say I see. I, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> Pop culture. <Yeah. laughs> okay. Let's see. Okay. So listen, we're all leftists here. Uh, but what's the one kind of lefty cause that you just can't get behind? Mm-hmm. What's the one lefty cause you can't get behind? Number one, saving the bees. Saving the bees. <laughs> Number two, murdering people by stoning. <laughs> Not. Mm-hmm. Three, uh, we switched to numbers from letters. Getting stoned. Mm-hmm. Getting stoned. Marijuana. Okay. okay. I mean... So far, I'm definitely. really behind De- all these. Yeah, De- definitely not that way. Yeah. And D, fracking. Which lefty cause are banning we not fracking? So, okay, so banning, so banning fracking, saving the bees, uh, getting stoned, or uh, or stoning people. Um, I didn't know that B was a was a lefty thing. Uh, <laughs> Nazis. We're stoning Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. Not stoning people. Okay. Stoning Nazis. Are we stoning? What was B? Sto- what, what, stoning anyone. Stoning anyone. Okay. Okay. Stoning people. Stoning people. Oh, no. Okay, I'm into people. stoning people. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Um not stoning people. All right. So I will say now, and again, I, I do know that the bees are very important, uh, but I just, I don't, uh, you know, they sting you, uh, the nature. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not that into it. Um, part of why I moved away from the country. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'm not, I, I just don't care that much about a, even though it, that is probably what will kill us all. <laughs> so. Right. I love a pollinator. So I'm certainly sticking my answer there. Okay. All right. And not violent so, capital punishment. Yeah. No, we come out against that. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, your next question is, what joke would you make about a lottery-like ritual that you were participating in? Okay. A, black box. Mm-hmm. Why don't they just make the whole plane out of the black box, Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I'll t- I'll tell you why they don't. But <laughs> uh, that's actually your only option. <laughs> oh, also, I'm not sure. Do we? Oh, did we? We've moved on. We've moved to planes. Katie, I can't believe you brought up planes. We were having enough tri- trouble keeping them off of fucking boats. <laughs> and now you're like, oh, it's a plane. Where uh, this is I, over. I will say one thing. One thing I've known, I have realized <laughs> during this podcast, there there just aren't that many plane novels, you know. Oy. It's crazy. Mostly because you're an That's 18th centuryist, which like really, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. like both of you are interested <laughs> in literature hot. during the, the first, first industrial revolutions. The first hot air balloon was like towards the end of the 18th century. But <laughs> That's not <laughs> a plane. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, uh, okay, okay so, so we answered the black. Okay, yeah. We got the black box. Uh, which of the following best describes the wildest thing that's ever happened okay. to you? A, naughty children stole a pie off your window and then killed you with stones. <laughs> B, you find out that you are a secret CIA agent. Your amnesia, yes, that's right, you had amnesia, you wouldn't remember, is responsible for all of the tattoos on your body <laughs> because you gave them to yourself when mm-hmm. you couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just take that journey. Or C, you visited a commune with a strict 70s titties out dress code. That does sound like me. C, for sure. <laughs> okay. I've I mean, never going to be in the CIA, please. Yeah, I'm not. I, we established the last episode. I'm not CIA. Uh, or, <laughs> or two episodes ago. Are you uh, not CIA material? <laughs> I am not CIA material. Uh, thankfully, uh, not Pete Buttigieg. Um, but the the uh, no the uh, I, I C sounds like the most fun mm-hmm. by far. But A sounds more like my life. So A. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you're going with I that. I was thinking you're there was a little that. bit of a, but also there's a bit of a uh, get off my lawn vibe. There to is a. no, it, that's true. It's like it's like I would more aspire. I would aspire to C, but the truth is A. I imagine okay. I admire that degree of self reflection. <laughs> Very good. Well, um, just send me your results through the app, uh, and it'll tabulate them automatically. Um. Beep, boop, boop, bop, bop. Yeah. Nothing funny going on here whatsoever. Uh, we got, we got to hold Thanks. the count. We're not, <laughs> we, need, we need a week. We need, we need a week. Make sure that there's a way in which whatever happened here uh, gives Pete Buddha Judge a way of Spitty that he won, uh, yep. whatever it was. Yep. With sixty-two percent of the results in, I'm going to answer. I'm going to give you your. I'm going to give you your assignments, Megan. You are. The CBS television show Blind Spot about a woman who emerges nude out of a duffel bag in Times Square and is revealed to be a fucking CIA or FBI agent. I don't make the rules. <laughs> I will have to watch an episode of the show to know to what you refer. I don't recommend it. And I'm not. <laughs> Yeah. Only seen like three episodes, and I did do some spoilers in that quiz. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh well, Tristan. Unsurprisingly, you are the lottery. Yep. Oh. The overall, yeah. The overalls put you over the edge. Yeah, no, that. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds right. Can that we ask right. what our over the uh, other edge. choices were? Those. So you had Wicker Man. You oh, yeah. Wicker Man. Yeah. That was the seventies titties. That was Wicker Man, yeah. and the bees was Wicker Man, um, uh, and the other choice was. Lottery. Now I'm kind of want to go back and change my answers because, but, but but the lottery's cool. It's yeah. it's a cool story, is what it is. That is true. <laughs> it's a cool story, bro. It is. Cool story, bro. Yeah. So uh, thank you all of you for being here. This has been better than dead. You can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find. Katie on Twitter at Katie Cryo. You can find me on Twitter at Tusslersaurus. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Better Red Pod, spelled R E A D, and email us at betterredpodcast at gmail.com, but only if you want to get creative with some good old fashioned name calling. Uh, we three. <laughs> 
definitely <laughs> don't normally get into electoral politics on the show, but we are going to tell you, please vote in your primaries. Uh, yeah. We would like Papa Bernard to take this one. We all need it. Uh, get the fuck on board before we shit post you. Uh <laughs> Our intro music is Left Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. As ever, please rate, review, and subscribe. And next week, we're going to be talking about Rob Roy. We have Native Son and some Henry James on deck. So thank you, comrades. Welcome back. Ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around.